Welcome to Alzheimer's Speaks Radio. I'm your host, Lori LeBay, and I'm so excited that you're joining us today. We are going to have a fascinating conversation, as usual, as we learn from people all around the world at all ages and stages of life. Stay tuned as we shift our dementia care from crisis to comfort. Well, hi, everyone. How are you doing today? This is Lori LeBay with Alzheimer Speaks, and we are going to be talking with John E. Lewis, who is the founder and president of Dr. Lewis Nutrition. And I think we're going to have an interesting conversation today. There's a lot of supplements on the market and what what's good, what isn't. Um, and we are going to talk about what uh, Dr. Lewis says is the essential, non-essential nutrient uh, that we all need. But before introducing you to Dr. Lewis, I just want to thank you all for being part of our community. We appreciate your likes, your clicks, your shares. That way you are a giver of hope. You are help spreading the word on all the different topics that we talk about here. And think about it. Maybe you could be our next guest. You know, we are inclusive of everyone from living with dementia to family care partners, to authors, musicians, directors, and of course, the variety of businesses, advocates, and trials that are out there. So we'd love to hear from you all. Please visit our website, alzheimerspeaks.com. And if you hit the um, free educational resources, you'll find tons and tons of great resources there that you can use or possibly participate in, like like being a guest here. Maybe you are living with dementia and you could be part of our Dementia in the Arts program or our Dementia Chats. We also have a book, Betty the Bald Chicken. Feel free to check that out there or follow us on the blog. I am looking forward to this conversation and I hope you are too. So let's go ahead and introduce you to our guest. Well, Dr. John E. Lewis, I am so excited to have you on the show with us today. You know, people talk about supplements and changes with memory loss all the time. And I'm glad to have an expert in the industry um, here to talk with us about this today. But before we get started, if you don't mind introducing yourself to our audience, I would appreciate that. Yes, ma'am. Lori, thank you so much for having me on your show. It's a pleasure to be here. I have been in the dietary supplement industry, both as a researcher and now as a businessman for couple of decades. I left, <clears throat> I was formerly a full-time professor at the University of Miami Miller School of Medicine, uh, conducting research in nutrition, dietary supplements, and exercise training, and many different uh, health outcomes. And then I left, left that career about 20, of about 20 years, I finally got burned out on begging the government and foundations and individuals for money to do research. It's really a heck of a way to make a living. And I say heck of a way, not necessarily in a good way, but in a very challenging and low to no gratification way. But I, I've been in business uh, since, well, actually, even before I left academics full time, but let's say I've been doing that for the last going on seven years now. So I have a science base to my, my business, I feel like, the work that I do now is is always want to have a science base, whether I'm a full-time researcher anymore or not is kind of irrelevant. For me, science, being a scientist by training and spending so many years of my life doing that professionally, to me, is very important to, to continue doing that. But more so than anything else, to me, health is just your most important characteristic or as, as, aspect of anyone's life. Unfortunately, as you know, we don't prioritize that here in, in our country, and I guess actually throughout most of the world, no one prioritizes it, which is why we're overrun and overriddled with chronic diseases that could be prevented for the most part if people ate well and supplemented and exercised. But but yes, that's me. I mean, I, I live what I, what I do in the sense of my personal and professional interests very much overlap. I, I think that health for me is the most important thing. And and I think nutrition and the supplement, dietary supplements in the sort of a, uh, you know, a, a specific niche or component of nutritional sciences is and can be very important for, for our health. And so I'm very passionate about helping people 
you know, to learn how to be healthy through nutrition, through supplements, through exercise. That's what I've been doing for a very, very long time. So I, I'm happy to talk to you today about what I do, the work that I do, and, and the mutual interest that we have. And hopefully your listeners will get something out of this conversation today. Wonderful. Well, thanks again for taking the time. I always ask everybody who's on the show if they've been personally touched in their own family or circle of friends by any form of dementia. So I have my grandparents, my father, my aunts, my uncles, they all died of everything not related to dementia. It was cancer, heart disease, um, you know, pretty much the two leading killers. I, I had an uncle who had he probably had a little bit of a touch of dementia, but certainly not full-blown Alzheimer's or anything like that. So I didn't have any personal connection in my most inner circle of, of family and friends. I, I'd known other friends that had family members who had had either Alzheimer's or vascular dementia or Lewy body or something like that, but I didn't have it like within that, you know, that very first primary level of family or friends. So I wasn't personally touched by it until I got into the research behind it when that was many years later in life. But, uh, but I definitely understand the, uh, the significance of it. And that's what I've focused so much in my career on for the last nearly 20 years now. Okay, thank you. Now, in doing a little research on you, I see that you have done some work revolving around polysaccharides. Can you tell us what the heck is a polysaccharide <laughs> and why you thought <laughs> you into it? Yes, absolutely. So polysaccharide is a unique word because ultimately, if you break it down into just layman's terms, it's it simply means it's a complex sugar. And as you well know, we've, we've just been bombarded for how many decades now? I, I don't know, going back to probably at least the 80s, you hear the word sugar in the, in the mainstream and now social media, and you immediately think bad, right? Like mm -hmm. just saying the word sugar to just about anyone will immediately cause that person to think of something that is bad. But I can tell you that sugars are way more complex than that, and you can't throw the baby out with the bathwater, meaning that if you, if you just hear the word sugar, you, you're making a mistake. Actually, you're being very ignorant to associate that with bad, and I'll tell you why. For two very specific reasons, and I'm, there may be lots more, but for me, these are the two most important. Number one, <clears throat> a sugar is not a sugar in the sense that it depends on the source of it. So if we're talking about high fructose corn syrup, I completely agree with you. That's a sugar that you want to avoid if not entirely eliminate. You don't want to be consuming much high fructose corn syrup. We know that that's very strongly related to insulin resistance, which leads to metabolic syndrome, which leads to type 2 diabetes and cardiovascular disease, and probably even Alzheimer's on top of that. So consuming that kind of sugar every day is, is, a, is a very bad thing to do. And then, <clears throat> so the source between a simple sugar like high fructose corn syrup versus a complex sugar like these complex polysaccharides that my colleagues and I have studied that come from aloe vera and rice bran are far, far, far different, again, than these simple sugars that the food companies use to, you know, load up their products with to make them taste sweet and to create this addictive uh, phenomenon that we now have in, in our country and really throughout the world today. So, I, I say all that to say that if you just say, well, sugar is bad for you, again, you're being very ignorant. You really don't know what you're talking about. And so complex sugars, these polysaccharides that, again, come from aloe vera and rice bran, the two that I've really focused and spent so much of my time on for the last 20 years, are just so powerful and so significant. And the body utilizes them in such dramatic ways to help them, to help the cells heal themselves. And by the way, I should mention I don't want anyone to, to take away from this interview and say that Lewis said that um, nutrition or supplements could be used to heal or, I'm sorry, not to heal, to treat, prevent, cure disease. That's absolutely never anything that I would say. What nutrition does and what these polysaccharides do specifically is that they s supply the raw material to every cell in our body, every 30 plus trillion cells in our body to function properly. And that is a way that the body heals itself. So through that process, through that inherent intelligence that I like to refer to it as that is contained within every cell in our body, everything that we feed into ourselves 
our cells utilize that information, which is, of course, directed by our genes first. The genes detect what comes in from the environment, mostly through the food and, and the things that we drink. And then that information, that coded information in all of those different materials, the genes then guide the cells in what to do. So when it comes to things like vitamins, minerals, of course, we know that we need these things from our, from our diet. We can't, the body cannot synthesize these things. That's why they're essential. The polysaccharides are not essential strictly in definition in the sense of the allo uh, polymannose, acetylated polymannose, acetylated glucomannan. There are many different synonyms for basically the same thing. This mannose polysaccharide material, the body can actually reconstruct other sugars into these complex saccharides when it receives them. But my colleagues and I believe that that's a, a very inefficient way to get about conducting the bioengineer, bioengineering of life is what, our, is what our cells do with this material. So when you feed it directly from the source, from the actual original source, as opposed to making the body reconstruct something that it can utilize probably in a, uh, what would you say, a not, a not very efficient manner, it just doesn't have the same effect as when you actually consume the disaccharide from, again, aloe vera and then, and, and then from the rice bran as well. The, the work that we've done uh, that we'll hopefully get to in Alzheimer's and MS is mostly focused on the aloe vera side, although it does have some um, rice bran support as well. And then there's another line of research that we conducted strictly with this rice bran material. But the, the polysaccharides, again, I, I'm probably just, I can't tell you enough how, how significant these things are potentially for human health and, and how beneficial they are to our cells. And, and the other interesting thing to note about these polysaccharides is I don't care if you're someone who eats a plant-based diet like I have for the last 25 years or 27, or if you're you know one of these carnivore people that's come into vogue here in the last couple of years or you know keto, paleo, I don't care what your dietary philosophy is you're not getting these polysaccharides from your diet. I don't know anyone who eats aloe vera. Most people that I know who eat rice eat white rice, which has had the bran stripped off of it. And that's where actually the best material of the rice plant is. It's in the bran and the bran gets milled off. I think about 80% of the rice sold in the world is white rice. And the, <clears throat> when, the, when the plant is, is brought in from the field to be milled, the, the husk, the outer hull or husk, is the part that's inedible, of course. And then just below that is the bran. Well, since most of the world doesn't want brown rice, they, you know, they, they mill off the bran, and then that gets either thrown away or fed to livestock. And then most of the world's eating this white rice. So you're not getting any of that polysaccharide if you only eat the white rice. So most people, I mean, the vast majority of people I know are not getting any of these polysaccharides through their diet, I don't care, again, what their dietary preference or philosophy is. So really to get <clears throat> the benefit of these polysaccharides, you need to look for them in a dietary supplement. And that's, and that's what we've done in a lot of our research is looking at these particular supplements, not looking at trying to, um, to affect people's uh, diets, which is a whole different level and a whole different animal of research that's very, very complex and challenging to do. I have a couple of questions for you. Is it rice brand, like B-R-A-N-D, or is it just brand? Brand, brand. B-R-A-N, rice brand. It's okay. the second layer below the husk or the hull. It's the, se it's the next layer in the rice kernel. Gotcha. And then I wanted to make sure, because I thought you said like the, the aloe vera and the rice bran were really kind of the good sugars and um, versus, right. okay, um, I just want to make sure people are putting those in the, in the right spot. But then you had also said right in that uh, comment that manufacturers are adding things in that are sweet, but they're also addictive. Is that part of this or was that part of um, the other? Hi, everyone. If you've been injured in an accident that was not your fault, listen up. We have legal professionals standing by to answer your questions for free. Call now and find out if you have a case and how much it's potentially worth. Call 800-494-8310. I'm here with spokesman John Wolfe. So, John, tell everyone listening who should call right now. Well, Maria, first off, thank you for having me here. It's always nice to answer the listeners' questions. Now, as far as who should call in, 
Anyone who's been injured in an accident and think you deserve compensation, give us a call right now. 800-494-8310. You'll find out if you have a case and how much it's potentially worth. Thanks, John. You heard it, folks. Take advantage of this opportunity and call now. 800-494-8310. Advertisement sponsored by Legal Help Center may not be available in all states. No, no, I, no, no. I'm saying that the high fructose corn syrup is what is a very addictive. It's a simple sugar. It causes an immediate boost or spike in your insulin, in your blood glucose. And, uh, and that's what people are living off of and eating all of these processed junky foods that contain gotcha. different sweeteners, one of them being high fructose corn syrup. And I should mention on the aloe vera side, too, that a lot of times when I talk about aloe vera, the first thing people think of, of course, is it's a topical solution for a cut or a sunburn or a wound or something. And that's a fine application. But the reality is the gel is about 98, 99% water, and the polysaccharide content in that is very minute. So you'd have to drink literally gallons of that gel to get enough polysaccharide content to have a therapeutic or a physiological benefit. And that's where products like ours come into play is because we've taken all that work out of the equation. It's just simply the polysaccharide that's left in the extracted material. So you don't have to deal with all that water and uh, and trying to consume gel. I mean, we have aloe, we, we live in Miami, we have aloe vera growing in our yard, but I'm not out here cutting leaves every day and, you know, stripping the gel out of it and drinking that to get my polysaccharide. That's a waste of time and probably would make me uh, not poop very well anyway, because it would still have lanolin in it that needs to be uh, processed out to to not cause you to have diarrhea. So, that's not that's not what I'm referring to at all. I'm referring to the the polysaccharide that gets extracted out of that gel and then concentrated into a powder to have a therapeutic benefit that would actually do you some good. Okay, great. Well, thank you for clarifying that. I just wanted to put the the sweet addictive in the right category, and maybe I just mis misunderstood. My third question was: You said you know the white rice gets stripped, the brown rice is good. What about wild rice? The same. It's the same. I mean, as long as it hasn't had the brand stripped off of it, then uh, you're still getting some of that polysaccharide content. But I would argue that you can't eat enough of, of the rice. I mean, again, you'd have to eat cups and cups every day to have a therapeutic benefit, especially if you're in the face of some really significant health challenge. So okay. it's much better to get this in a concentrated source that's already been extracted out of the, the actual plant and then concentrated into a powder where you have the, the opportunity or the capacity to take a pretty big dose of it at one time. Okay, wonderful. Now, you know, I know you've done a ton of research in this area. And did you have any findings regarding like Alzheimer's and dementia and MS or other diseases? Oh, absolutely. That's where we really, uh, I think our light has, has shown the brightest in the sense that we ran with our allopolysaccharide complex, we ran a, uh, a clinical trial in people with moderate to severe Alzheimer's disease, and we ran another clinical trial in people with relapsing, remitting multiple sclerosis. So I'll mention the Alzheimer's study first just because it's the most exciting and I think the most significant with all due respect to what we showed with MS. But we put the uh, the folks with, with moderate to severe Alzheimer's on this this formula for 12 months, we didn't change their diet, their exercise. We didn't change medications, anything else about their, their lifestyle. We just simply added in our dietary supplement every day for 12 months. We drew their blood at baseline in 12 months. We did the neuropsychological testing, which is essentially just to see their cognitive function at baseline. Three, six, nine, and 12 months due to limitations with our budget. We didn't have enough money to look at blood at three, six, and nine. But going into it, we were optimistic. We had... We had hopes that our study would, you know, actually show something of benefit for, for people. And quite frankly, Lori, it turned out to even blow us away. We had absolutely no idea how uh, exciting and, and beneficial this product would be. But we ended up uh, at 9 and 12 months showing clinically and statistically significant improvements in cognitive function. Now, and that's according to the ADAS-COG, which is widely considered to be the gold standard for assessing cognition, particularly in dementia studies. It's been published in, gosh, thousands of, of papers over, over the last few decades. But 
that absolutely blew us away. And that, that first paper we published from the study was in 2013. And I, don't take my word for it. I mean, I would, I would challenge you and any of your listeners, go to PubMed, do your own lit search yourself. You will not, you will not find any other treatment or therapeutic intervention, and I'm including the FDA-approved drugs for dementia as well, showing this kind of response on the cognitive level in people with moderate to severe Alzheimer's. I mean, it was just truly remarkable for us. And the caregivers uh, along the way, as the study was being conducted, were, were calling me in tears at some point saying, Dr. Lewis, I can't believe what you know, either my husband or my grandmother or, you know, whatever the relationship between the caregiver and the loved one was telling me about things that he or she in some cases had not done for years. I mean, it was just truly remarkable. I even had the staff at the center where we were recruiting the subjects and, and collecting all the data, even the staff who were pretty skeptical when they first, uh, we first met them and, you know, we had we had money, and the only reason, actually, I should say this as well, the only reason we had money to do this study was because of my colleague giving a lecture at a conference, and a lady in the audience heard him talking about some uh, some initial work that he was doing in people with Alzheimer's and Parkinson's, and she felt motivated and compelled to talk to Dr. McDaniel, and and they developed a relationship, and ultimately, she and her husband decided to give a gift to Dr. McDaniel to do research in nutrition, and she said the only caveat is we, we require it to be in Alzheimer's because we've lost four family members to, to Alzheimer's disease, and so that was the only reason we had this opportunity to run the study. If you know anything about academic research, you know that the vast majority of research conduct, conducted in academics is funded either by NIH or Big Pharma, and it's all about drugs and genetics, basically. There's there's very, very little money that gets allocated to nutrition. But anyway, that's a side note. So going into it, again, we had very skeptical people that we were working with because all they were interested in doing and had been doing in their careers was drug research, and they didn't think nutrition would do anything. So even they had to admit they had seen changes as, with, as we were running the study that they, number one, had never seen before, and number two, certainly didn't expect. So you have this beautiful clinical response, this, and I say clinically and statistically significant, very specifically and, and very purposeful, because you could have a statistical finding that may be practically or clinically irrelevant, irrelevant meaning that you have large numbers of subjects in a study, but didn't really mean anything because it was of no practical significance because it just was due to the fact that you had lots of people in the study. But in our case, with the ADAS-COG, if you have a four-point or greater change, then the ADAS-COG is validated to say that that means it's clinically significant. And that's exactly what we showed. It was, it was more than four points. So that was the first thing. And then at the cellular level, we showed an improvement in inflammation according to TNF-alpha and VEGF, which are two proteins that our immune cells secrete in response to inflammatory conditions. That was also probably the first time that's ever been published. Uh, Those are usually looked at in cardiovascular disease and cancer. Secondly, we showed an improvement in the CD4 to CD8 ratio, which is our relationship between our T helper cells and our T cytotoxic cells. So those that ratio is very important, not just for people with Alzheimer's, but actually for all of us as we age, we want that ratio uh, typically to be high, and it, it's a sign that our immune system is functioning properly. And then we also showed a relationship between adult stem cell production where that CD14 cell increased by just under 300% from baseline to, uh, to the 12-month assessment. So that was all published in that first paper. And again, changes that we just were blown away by. Again, we were, we were optimistic, but even beyond our expectations. So when you look at the clinical improvement on the cognitive side, supported by lowering inflammation, which as we all know, every chronic disease today has some inflammatory component to it. You can't talk about chronic disease without acknowledging the role of inflammation and then improving the overall immune function, which we're showing that the immune system is way more than just our first line of defense against virus and bacteria. It's actually more, much more sophisticated than that. All of the cells and tissues and organs 
that make up the immune system actually talk to all of our other major organ systems and help to keep them in balance. And they do that with all these different markers, like I mentioned, the TNF-alpha and the VEGF. Those are two of them that the, the immune system uses to talk to, in this case, the central nervous system, which you can say cognitive function is kind of a proxy measure of brain function or brain health uh, specifically. And then, of course, the central nervous system broadly as the brain being part of our central nervous system. <clears throat> and then the, the adult stem cell production. I mean, for us, that was like the icing on the cake to say that the only, made, the only thing that made sense to us, why these people that were so impaired you know, that hadn't recognized people or remembered birthdays or anniversaries or even their own wedding or, you know, what they did for a living, anything else for years. And then suddenly they're starting to remember and talk about these things again, is that the adult stem cells through the inherent intelligence of the body migrated to the brain to either create new neurons, which is now neuroplasticity, as you know, is now commonly accepted 20 years ago, 30 years ago, it was not. We thought that you, whatever you were born with in terms of number of neurons was it for your entire life. We know that now that's not true, that the brain actually also in certain parts of it has the capacity to generate itself. So these CD14 cells were responsible for migrating to the brain and either creating new things or repairing damaged things or both. We didn't have funding to do imaging in this study, but hopefully we are working on uh, raising money for a new study in the future, and we will do things like that that are more sophisticated to be able to detect changes in the, in the morphology in the brain. So all these things were published in this first paper in 13. We published two subsequent papers after that in, I think, 17 and 20, where we looked at brain-derived neurotropic factor. And there are a lot of details there that I won't go into just to keep this a little shorter. I know I'm making probably a very long story long here. I'm and I'm doing my best to, to keep this condensed, but as you can probably tell, I have a lot of excitement and passion for my work, and, and I want to try to give our listeners as much information as I can. But brain-derived neurotropic factor is a very significant protein that's involved in uh, memory creation and how our hippocampus works. So it's a very, very important thing to look at when it, when it comes to brain health and, and general brain function. And so... We had a bunch of different uh, findings there with how brain-derived neurotrophic factor changed in response to taking the supplement and the relationships that it had between cognitive function in one paper and immune function in the other paper. So we got two more papers out of that. And then this timing of our interview today is actually very good because we just had a fourth paper published from that study just in the last couple of weeks, again, in the Journal of Alzheimer's Disease, showing this really exciting finding, I mean, this is, again, groundbreaking. It's never been shown before in people with Alzheimer's disease where we looked at what's called the Th1 to Th2 ratio. And <clears throat> the immune system has many different components to it. Th1 and Th2 are the two components that are probably the most studied. Th17, Th23, Th33, there are lots of different components to the immune system's functioning, and it just depends on which component of it that you're looking at. But broadly speaking, Th1 to Th2 is your pro-inflammatory to anti-inflammatory ratio. And so there's been a lot of research done on how this ratio is important in maintaining balance to help you either preventing infection or preventing you from having things like, say, for example, rheumatoid arthritis or MS that people sort of lump into this big direct category on an autoimmune disorder. So as I, as I was um, thinking about this idea going back about a year and a half ago for looking at the data that we have, because we have this incredibly uh, rich and large data set, I thought, well, it'd be interesting to look at the TH1 and TH2 ratio in these folks and then see how it changes over that 12-month period. I go to PubMed, I'm looking, I'm trying to find other articles that have been published on this, Lori, I could not find one other article that had ever published the TH1 to TH2 ratio in people with Alzheimer's disease. It had never been done before. And so I was like, wow, this is exciting because, exciting because you know, unfortunately, I don't, know, I don't have anything to lean on, but I'm going to be the first person to ever actually look at this. My colleagues and I should give them some credit too. But, but anyway, we wrote this paper, <clears throat> and we had a data set from another study of healthy people we looked at the exact same T1 and T2 markers. 
So it was a not comparative data set that I had to, to look at the two and how they compared. And we have six different ratios with these different uh, cytokines and growth factors. And it's just stark. I mean, it's, it's incredibly stark how different the folk with Alzheimer's are compared to the healthy people in this TH1 to TH2 classification. The TH1 dominance in people with Alzheimer's is just remarkable and highly, highly statistically significantly different. The people that are healthy, all of their ratios are very close to unity. They're around one, maybe a little below, maybe a little above, but very, very close to unity. And it just made perfect sense to me. This all came together. It was just so beautiful. And then from the baseline to 12-month change, you see five of the six ratios going toward unity. You don't get close to it, but at least moving in that direction. So we have that change over the, the course of the intervention. And then the, <clears throat> the, the chariot again on the top of the cake, or the icing on the cake, is that the movement toward not so much each one dominance, but toward unity is correlated with improvement in cognitive function. So it just turned out to be a beautiful paper. And again, we just mentioned, I just mentioned, we, we just published that in just the last few weeks. So that's, that's something that I continue working on. Again, even though academic publishing is not, is not really probably even in the top 10 of my priorities in terms of my day-to-day running a business. But I, I, it, for me, it's just so important to have this scientific foundation everything I do and then because I just have all this work that I've done in my career with you know with brain health and immune function and then tying these two together and then continuing to expand on this and building the case for why the, uh, the major organs talk to each other this way and then helping to show and, and to actually confirm this through our own research is, is very exciting so that that's a that's a long-winded summary of the work that, uh, that we that we've done so far in Alzheimer's. And again, we're, we're continuing to do more. Hopefully we will. And ultimately this all trickles down to the help of people. And you know, the beauty of what we do is we work with people, right? We, we're not working with animals. We're not working with cells or tissues. With all due respect to what we refer to as basic scientists, I mean, there's a place for that kind of work, but we don't have to look at something in a cell or in a tissue or in a, a rat or a mouse and then say, mm, well, I wonder if that actually works in people. No, we already know it because those are the, in running clinical trials in people, you know right off the bat as something gets finished, if it works or not. So you don't even have to worry about or think about translating it from cells, tissues, or animals to humans. We, we already know this stuff works. That's the other nice and exciting thing of, of what I do. I have a, a question for you. I know a lot of these journals, the public can't access. Um, is there a link to even one of the papers that you could send me that people could read if they were interested? What I can do is mail you, I can email you all of the, so we published, as I mentioned, four articles from Alzheimer's paper. We've published an article from the MS paper. We're actually writing a third article right now from the MS paper that hopefully will done, be done in the next few weeks. I'd be more than happy to send you all those. Um, in fact, I think at least articles from the, uh, from the Alzheimer's study are freely available on PubMed. Unfortunately, two of them are not, but I can send you the PDF, and then you're more than welcome to share those with your listeners as you, as you so desire. And, of course, I have all this information summarized along with the references on my website, drlewisnutrition.com. But yeah, I'd be happy to email you the PDFs of all of these articles. That way you have them and then you can distribute them as you, as you such choose. Okay, that would, that would be great. And then uh, are you saying Club Med, M-E-D? Pub. Pub. P-U-B. P is in Paul. Here, I thought it was my cough and my allergies. It's my ears. I got to get my hearing checked, apparently. <laughs> <laughs> PubMed. Okay, PubMed. So, so PubMed, yes, PubMed is the, it's the, it's the clearinghouse for the Library of Congress. I mean, it's widely considered as the gold standard repository for all scientific research in the world, not just in the United States. Okay. So if you go to, pub, if you go to PubMed.gov, you will find, you know, literally millions of articles that have been published since publishing, you know, since it okay. started. I mean, going back to, to science and nature, you know, the original journals that's, 
started all this academic publishing. So, okay, yeah, PubMed is is where you can go and type in, you know, my name and my colleagues and and whatnot, and and find all of our articles that are published. So you'll at least get the abstract on PubMed. It it indexes all abstracts, and then for the articles that are freely available, you can download those. <clears throat> and then the ones that are not, you can at least read uh, the abstract, as I mentioned. Okay, sounds good. And then, you know, for these findings, is it just Alzheimer's specific that you were looking at? Or did you look at people with Lewy body and vascular and frontal temporal lobe? Or This was, uh, this was an Alzheimer's study, not other forms of dementia. Sounds and I've, if, if we have time, if you want me to summarize the multiple sclerosis study, I'm happy to, to do that as well. Yeah, we are kind of running out of time here with uh, these other questions that I want to get to. So I think I'm going to pass on that for right now. Okay, Uh, But people know that they're there. And again, um, if they go to um, PubMed, they'll be able to put your name in. And I would imagine be able to find that as well. Is that correct? Yes, correct. Good. For those of you that are just tuning in right now, we have been talking with Dr. John E. Lewis, the founder and president of Dr. Lewis Nutrition. We've been having a really interesting conversation about polysaccharides and this non-essential essential nutrient that we all need. <laughs> it's, been, it's been quite fascinating. You can go to his website, which is drlewisnutrition.com, or you can email him at john at drjohnlewis.com. He is on Facebook, Instagram, uh, YouTube, TikTok as Dr. Lewis Nutrition. We are going to hear a little bit about QBlocks, which is a webmaster uh, that I personally found just uh, fascinating to work with, and we'll be right back. I also want to introduce you all to QBlocks. They have been absolutely excellent to deal with. They have been in business for 18 years and they serve the globe. I can't say enough good things about this company. I've had a lot of bad experiences. I don't know about you with tech companies. They have made a very complicated process very easy and their staff is so kind, so polite, so respectful to work with and You know, when I am frustrated and ready to pull my hair out, they just smile and tell me everything's going to be okay. And they really are just on top of the communication, which alleviates so much stress as an owner when you're dealing with tech issues. You can get a 10% discount. Visit them at QBlocks at C-U-E-B-L-O-C-K-S dot com Or you can email them at letstalk at qblocks.com. For that 10% discount, just put Lori, L-O-R-I, in the inquiry form. And again, I don't think you'll be disappointed. I surely haven't been. I I can't rave enough about this company. And that's kind of rare these days. So, John, I wanted to ask you about, you know, we've been talking about these polysaccharides from a dietary supplement. Now, you've created, if I'm not mistaken, something called Daily Brain Care. Can you tell us a little bit more about that and how somebody would, would access that and use that? Well, daily, <clears throat> excuse me, Daily Brain Care is the product that originated out of our research on the folks with Alzheimer's and MS, and I, it, it's widely... Uh, considered to, I mean, if you, if you, if you look at the label, of course, it's a proprietary blend, but it's widely considered um, within my colleagues, you know, the people that I've worked with all these years to be a polysaccharide base, even though it has other things in it. For example, flaxseed has a, a very rich source of not just omega-3, which most people think of for um, flaxseed, but it also has the highest source of lignans, which are incredibly uh, beneficial for health. And then it has things like citric acid, uh, which is a, a very nice chelator and detoxifier. It has ultra-terra clay, which is also a very potent chelator of heavy metals. It's got things in it like N-acetylcysteine, which is the metabolic precursor to glutathione, and then tart cherry powder. That's another nutritional powerhouse. So in creating this formula, it wasn't it, – it's, it's, let's, be, let's put it this way. It's, it's a, mu- a much different – approach than the pharmacological model, which is taking something from nature, synthesizing it into something that can be patented, 
and then utilizing that to alter a metabolic pathway, which causes side effects, of course, but altering a metabolic pathway to treat or manage a symptom of a disease. And that's a very, very strict pharmacological approach. Our approach, my colleagues and I, nutrition, as you know, the cells need hundreds, if not thousands of things all the time. And it's oxygen, obviously, is our first nutrient. And then we go from there. We go into vitamins, minerals, fatty acids, amino acids, these different polysaccharides, metabolites, coenzymes, cofactors, also other, other sorts of elements. I mean, it's, a, it's just an incredibly complex and dynamic world when you talk about metabolism. And so we were not looking for a magic bullet. Even though if you twist my arm and ask me, well, what's the most significant part of, of your formulation? I would probably tell you the allopolysaccharide is the most important thing. If I had to sort of rank them by effect or efficacy, I'd probably start with the allopolysaccharide as, as the number one component. But again, <clears throat> the idea is to, to provide the cells with something that they utilize in, in harmony really with our physiology. It's not altering our physiology, it's enabling our physiology. Again, this notion of the bioengineering of life, and that's what all of our cells do. So that's the purpose of daily brain care. That's what we've, you know, we've done all this research on, and folks can find it at drlewisnutrition.com that you mentioned. That's DR with no period, and we also have it Amazon as well. We have it at dailybraincare.com. We we work with other, there are quite a few uh, physician practices around the country we worked with. There's even a, a health food store or two, a health pharmacy or two. You know, we this business isn't uh, any, you know, big giant business at this point. I from leaving academics and starting business, you know, I've been doing this sort of in a, in a I guess you could call it a, a slow burn or a slow crawl. But anyway, it's, it's what I do. And, and that's where folks can find daily brain care. But it's, I, you know, without sounding too arrogant or egotistical about it, I, I, I'm just so proud of the research that my colleagues and I have done. And whereas a lot of companies out there are maybe excellent marketers, and with all due respect to the marketing profession, I, I mean, I'm, I applaud people that can do that, but I'm, I'm marketing with a scientific foundation and a very specific purpose to help people. I'm not just trying to make money. I'm trying to provide products that, that actually work and that actually help people and that have the science to bound, uh, to, you know, to back up and, and really to, to provide the support that people need. Because I think a lot of times when we mention dietary supplements, Many people out there, if they're not already taking a supplement or two, and of course, Centrum is the most common thing that people think of when they think of a dietary supplement. But, you know, it's it's easy to have sort of a jaundiced or a skeptical uh, view or um, sort of angle that people look at me like, well, I don't know, supplements, you know, is that, are they, you know, a lot of times people say, are they FDA regulated? Well, no, they're not. They're not drugs. They're dietary supplements. That's why they're not regulated by the FDA. But I say all that to say that for me, it's just very important to be, you know, an authentic person that's, that's working hard to, to help people. And, and that's who I am and that's what I do. And I, I hope that's very clear with all the things that I've described today in terms of our research and what we showed and, and I mean, that part of my life is an open book. You know, it's, it's all over my websites and that information is freely available. So I hope people can appreciate the significance of our work and all these years and decades that my colleagues and I collectively have put into this. And it's not to be taken lightly. I mean, this stuff can really, really help people if, it, if it's utilized. And that's, that's the message that I continue to try to, to spread as, to as much of the world as I can. So uh, in terms of taking it, do you like add it to water or sprinkle it in food? And how often do you take it? And does it make difference on your weight in the problem that you're having? Can you give us any information on that? Sure. So we have it both in the powder and in capsules. So it's really up to you in terms of the, the mode that you prefer. I, I personally, I love the powder because it's easy to swallow. I just simply scoop it straight into my mouth, let it mix with a little bit of saliva and then swallow it. But you can mix it literally with anything. I mean, it's water, juice, smoothies, yogurt, mashed potatoes, applesauce. Some people even put it in their tea and their coffee. I just say that 
please let the temperature cool down a bit. Don't mix it with anything that's too hot. You don't want the, the heat to damage the nutrients. So that's very, very simple to do. And then, of course, most consumers prefer capsules. So for them, whether it's a, you know, a taste or a texture issue for them, then the capsule becomes a no-brainer. Now, in terms of the dose, this is a very good question, and I try to work with many people individually as much as I can. So on the label, on the powder, it will say take two scoops per day is just kind of a standard preventative dose. On the capsules, it'll, it'll say take four capsules per day, but, you know, that's more of a labeling issue than rather, rather strictly scientific. And what I mean by that is, you know, if you're middle age or over, in the, for, so for example, in, the, in both the clinical trials in the Alzheimer's and MS studies, protocol was basically four scoops of powder per day, one uh, at each meal, and then one some, somewhat in the evening with maybe a little snack or something before bed. Now, obviously, a lot of times people will say, well, I don't want to take something four times a day, so that's fair. That's fine. So just take two scoops in the morning, two scoops in the evening. If you're middle age or over, and if you have any kind of significant ongoing health challenge, which unfortunately most Americans do today, you're probably going to need four scoops per day. So if you, if you buy the powder, you're probably going to need two, two containers a month to do four scoops per day. If you have something way more significant than that, then you may actually need more if it's, you know, cancer or myocarditis or, uh, you know, something very significant. And again, I'm not talking about treating disease here. I'm just talking about providing the support the body needs. But I try to help people work through that and, and individualize that as much as possible because obviously people want to, you know, they want to make sure they're getting the best value for their buck. So I completely appreciate and understand that. And then in terms of like when you would take it, again, I, I recommend you try to spread it out during the waking hours. I, <clears throat> I like taking half of mine in the morning and then half in the evening. And I do take four scoops a day. I'm past middle age. I don't have any significant health challenges, but I feel like once you've hit middle age, then you've just been exposed to so much stuff in the world, you know, whether it's pollution, heavy metal exposure, arsenic, PCBs. I mean, there's just all sorts of, unfortunately, nasty things floating around in the, in the environment, and, and you want to give the body as much support as you can, and then just stress, you know, I mean, whether it's emotional stress or electromagnetic stress, there are all sorts of stressors involved, and then, of course, our nutrition is not as good as it was. Our food is not as good as it was 100 years ago before genetic modification, before all of these pesticides and herbicides and other chemicals got put into the soil and water. It's just a whole different world that we deal with today compared to our ancestors from 100 years ago. So my thinking is, I mean, I can't give you an, an answer on the prevention side. Like, we, we don't know what prevention means until we're at the end of our lives and then oh, well, he didn't die of cancer, or he didn't die of Alzheimer's, or he didn't die of, you know, heart failure or whatever. I mean, you know, we don't know those answers until the very end. But my thinking is, is, you know, your, again, your health is your most important trait or characteristic that you have in this life other than time. And so I would much rather splurge on something like daily brain care and getting these polysaccharides and some of these other nutrients that are, that are pretty low or even completely missing in the modern diet and take my chances that it's going to help me reduce the risk of some of these incredibly, uh, you know, just challenging and, and difficult chronic diseases than to say, oh, well, I'm not spending my money on any, any of that stuff. I'm just going to take my chances otherwise. I mean, if that's your view, that's your view. I can't change it. But I feel like for the amount of money, you know, that you spend on this, this protection, if you will, to me, it's just it's well worth it. Have you found any contraindications at all for people, any side effects? Very, very few and far between. So there's nothing, you know, like sometimes you take either, say, curcumin or ginkgo biloba. Those are both natural blood thinners. So you maybe have to be concerned if you're on some sort of a blood thinner medication. But there are no known contraindications to, to any of the ingredients in daily brain care. Now, sometimes people have you know, maybe they take too much initially and they get like a detox reaction, which could be maybe like a loose stool or something. And, and so sometimes people get, you know, they think, oh, well, this is a problem. No, it's actually not a problem. It's the, it's the product working, but you just turn the dose down a little bit and then allow the, the response to not be as dramatic. But in general, we have very few uh, side effects in response to this product. I mean, this is 100% natural. It's plant-based. There's nothing synthetic in it. 
And so you don't you don't normally expect these kinds of things to to be a problem. Wonderful. Well, I this has been a, an interesting conversation. I know people sometimes can be skeptical. Others are you know biting at the bit to try everything out there that they can. And it's nice to see that there is some science behind this in just your personal history uh, in terms of what you do and, and why you do it. You take this yourself. So you're walking your talk. So again, I thank you so much um, for coming to meet with us today. You know, to our listeners, I always say, you know, please like, click and share. Again, it's not that I track the numbers. I don't really care what Google thinks. I just want to get information to people. And the best way to do that is to be able to spread the word. So be a giver of hope. Take a few seconds, cost you no time uh, or little time and no money to do that. And, you know, maybe this is an answer somebody's looking for. It might not be everyone's cup of tea, but you know what? Nothing is going to be, uh, is going to serve everyone. But I think it's really important that we educate ourselves in terms of, of what is out there. You can go to uh, Dr. Lewis's website at drlewisnutrition.com. That's drlewisnutrition.com. Or you can email him at John, and that's J-O-H-N, at doctor, and doctor is D-R in both these references, johnlewis.com. And again, you can follow him on Facebook, Instagram, YouTube, and TikTok under Dr. Lewis Nutrition. Thank you all for your time today. And again, please check out all the under other wonderful resources we have at alzheimerspeaks.com. Just click on that free resource um, section that we have, and we will talk with you next time. Again, John, thank you so much for your time and your expertise and your passion to make the world a better place. Thank you for having me. Hi, this is Suzanne Newman, host of the Answers for Elders podcast and radio show. We are the North Star that guides you through the complicated journey of senior care with trusted experts in money, law, living solutions, and more. So join us on this station, your favorite podcast channel, or just go to AnswersForElders.com. Meet the Wayshowers who will help your journey a lot easier.